Friendship isn't the big things, it's a million little things. Welcome friends, to the A Million Little TV Shows podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'll be delving into TV shows that I feel don't seem to get enough love. Over the course of the pod, we'll break down episodes and talk about my thoughts and feelings on the shows. This episode we'll be dealing with A Million Little Things Season 1. The cast includes David Gintoli as Eddie, Romany Malco as Rome, Alison Miller as Maggie, Christina Moses as Gina, Christina Ochoa as Ashley, Grace Park as Catherine, James Roday as Gary, Stephanie Shostak as Delilah, and Ron Livingston as John. And I apologise to any of those people whose names I got probably terribly wrong. Hello there. So, we're back again. And this is now the fourth episode that I'm recording in a row. It is still the back end of November. By the time you listen to this, it's going to be middle of January. So, again... I hope you all had a great Christmas and New Year. I'm sure I had a blast when I was in Japan, but while I'm trying to get these episodes prepared so that I can just go and enjoy myself, I'm also working extra hard over weekends and evenings just to get this done. But I really hope you are enjoying this journey with me. Again, my voice is a little bit hoarse because as you probably just heard, I finished episode five. This is now episode 7 of A Million Little TV Shows podcast in season 3. But today, we are going to be wrapping up season 3 of A Million Little Things, the TV show that inspired me to do this. So, we're going to be covering a lot of heavy issues, as you know from episode 5. It was a rough ride, and by the end of it, I felt like I just couldn't talk anymore about the subject because it is deep and it is not something for me to try to cover. I just want to talk about TV shows and how they make me feel and this show gives me a lot of feelings and also I just want to interject things from my own life and tell people about the stories that I've got. The problem with that is that I couldn't talk about racism. It's not for me to talk about. It's for me to listen to and learn about because I'm a white guy. And yeah, I'm sure that there are people out there who screaming at me about how certain aspects of the world are racist against white people. But I'm not covering those in any subject because the TV that I'm watching is based on the experience of black people or the experience of Asian people, or in Gary's case, the experience of a Mexican man in living in America. So I can't comment because I'm not experiencing that. I can only kind of talk about what I see and how it makes me feel. I can't speak on the experience of others. But I hope you are enjoying this podcast because I'm really trying hard with it. And to be three seasons in and still going, this is big. I'm not usually kind of this in-depth with something. So stick with me. We're going to go through it. We're going to cover episodes 15 to 18 today. And like I say, this is going to be the final episode of A Million Little Things Season 3. It will be back for season four for the podcast and obviously season four itself. And it will culminate next year with season five. And after that, we've got a fuck ton of episodes to talk about. So I am not going anywhere. I have got a lot and I mean a lot planned. I have a spreadsheet, which if anyone knows me who is listening to this, I fucking love a spreadsheet. But I have a spreadsheet of everything 
I am mapped out to season five, as I've just said. But after that, I know I'm going elsewhere. I know I have other things coming. For instance, this season I am covering Hannibal. There is three seasons of Hannibal. I will cover all of it. And if there's a fourth in any time soon, please God, I want to cover that as well. I will be covering all nine seasons of Inside Number Nine. I think there's only eight, but there'll be nine by the time this probably finishes. So I will cover all seasons of Inside Number Nine. So I have plenty of stuff to go at. I have a plan in place to cover some French TV shows, some Spanish TV shows, some German TV shows, some Japanese TV shows. So there is plenty of content for me to be going at. So I'm not going anywhere. I have got plenty to go at. And and I just hope you enjoy this journey with me. Again, if you want to talk to me about anything, give me any recommendations. They are welcome. They will go on the spreadsheet. I will cover them if I find them fascinating or interesting to do straight away. I will do them. If they are something that I think, yep, I like the sound of it, but I will put it on the back burner. It will go on the spreadsheet. I will pick it out at some point and I will cover it. But I'm getting a lot of content at the minute, so don't worry. I am sure I will get to some things that you are wanting to listen to. I'm going back on series as well, so I am going back into a lot of old series and I will cover them as I'm going. So hopefully you'll enjoy this. Whatever it is, you'll enjoy something. You'll find something that will attract you and you can listen to some idiot on the internet talk about it. Me being that idiot, not anyone else. Please just stay with this podcast. I'm having fun. Anyway, let's get into final episodes of A Million Little Things Season 3. So, let's do a quick recap. Eddie and Catherine, I think, are the main focal point to go at right now. They look like they're going to be getting a divorce. Catherine has started counselling sessions with Eddie being there so that they can finally end the marriage due to the fact that Eddie's addictions have started to rear their ugly head again and Catherine just can't do this anymore. She has fit the bill way too many times now and made sure that Theo is the one who is looked after, even though Eddie is the one who keeps fucking up and she always ends up paying the cost. Dee is still stuck in France due to the fact that her dad had the accident and and COVID is still running riot throughout Europe and the US. So it's a massive risk for her to come home right now. But she needs to be home because poor Sophie has ended up being sexually abused by a teacher who was helping her to try and get into a college program at MMI, the Massachusetts Music Institute. So obviously she needs to get home because of what happened. Sophie has been to France and been to see her mother, but there's nothing like having your mum at home when you really need her. And Sophie at this point needs her desperately. However, Gary has been looking after these kids while she's been away, not including Charlie. Charlie went with her because obviously she's just a baby. And with everything that's gone on with Eddie, she couldn't be seen to leave her there. And then there's Rome and Gina, who have been having a real rough time of it. With everything that happened with George Floyd, they've taken in a young 17-year-old boy whose mother has been deported back to Haiti and they are currently looking after him. Not officially fostering him, but fostering him nonetheless. And this has been accepted by the mother as well. So they're trying to do the best by this kid who is now really trying to assist the Black Lives Matter movement as best he can by becoming a documentary filmmaker, much like Rome was, which helps because he's under Rome's tutelage. And obviously Gina's restaurant is, like most of Europe and America, ravaged by COVID at the minute. They are doing takeout menus, but they aren't doing as well as they should be. And then we've got Maggie. Maggie was going to do her program in England, her fellowship, but it all fell through due to the fact she had to come home for cancer screenings. And now she's stuck in the States because she is at high risk and cannot go back to England. So she's now back in the US, but 
she has found a passion for podcasting. Kelsa Breeze, that she's my favourite character. And she is just trying to do her best to help people. So I think we're all caught up now. So let's get into these final four episodes. Episode 15, Not Alone. So now that Eddie has been confined to a wheelchair, Theo is trying to help out as much as he possibly can. But the only problem is Theo's not really understanding the fact that a lot of things are dangerous. He's just trying to throw himself in with so much enthusiasm as he possibly can. And at this point, he's trying to sort out the fire alarm, which has been beeping. And we've all probably had it where you get a fire alarm, it's just about to run out of battery, you take the battery out, it doesn't stop beeping, you break it to pieces, it doesn't stop beeping. It turns up in your dreams, it doesn't stop fucking beeping. It's ridiculous. I understand why they're there. Of course I do. I'm not a fucking idiot. But it's annoying. It's fucking annoying. So, Theo is trying to help out. But where this fire alarm is fitted, it isn't in an ideal spot. It's right at the top of the stairs. So, he ends up getting on a ladder to try and help. And at this point, Eddie is stuck downstairs and Catherine isn't around. So Eddie's yelling at Theo, trying to tell him not to get on the ladder, just to wait for his mum. But Theo's determined. And eventually Catherine comes back into the room and finds that Theo is up a ladder and at the top of the stairs. So she begins to worry about her own child's safety, just as she's about to get ready to divorce her husband and talk about custody. So when Eddie speaks to his lawyer about all of this, his lawyer essentially tells him that Any judge is going to look at both the situation that Eddie is in and the situation that Catherine is in and they're going to probably vote for Catherine because as safe as Eddie could be, unfortunately, he's going to see the person that isn't in a wheelchair as the safest pair of hands unless he's shown otherwise. So, of course, Eddie is gutted by this. He knows that he has to be able to be mobile and he knows that he probably, when he moves out, is going to have to get somewhere that is ground floor level. It's going to be difficult for him to find anywhere right now. But when Gary hears about all of this, of course, it's Gary. He does what Gary does best and he tells him that he can move in with him. So when Eddie goes to Catherine with this information that Gary is willing to put up with him, And hopefully that's going to sway her decision on whether Eddie can have joint custody of Theo. She tells him, it's got nothing to do with you being in a wheelchair. It's the fact that you're an addict that I'm worried about. I don't care that you're in a wheelchair. You'd be a perfectly good father. But your addiction is the thing that I worry about because it's just been so recent and she's unsure whether it will ever happen again. So because of this, Eddie obviously goes on the attack and he starts telling Catherine that, fine, do that then. But if you do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them that you ran away, that you left your son, ran away to your mother's when you found things were too hard. And at this point, she is flabbergasted by the whole thing and tells him, how dare you speak to me like that? How dare you say something like that about me and my son? I left because you were the one that cheated on me. I didn't cheat on you. You cheated on me. You caused all this. So, and you're an alcoholic and now you're a drug user and you're blaming me because I walked out on you. Nah, this doesn't fly. So she's fucking fuming with him because he's trying to use manipulation tactics against her and she just won't have it. And good on her in all fucking fairness, because sometimes I don't like Eddie. I think he's manipulative. I think he's a piece of shit at times. So hearing her say that was just, good on you, girl. And Catherine tells him that she doesn't want him to have unsupervised visits right now. And that if Theo is coming over, someone is going to have to be there because she just doesn't trust him right now. So Gary ends up speaking to both Catherine and Maggie. And he tells Catherine that when Eddie moves in with him, he's going to make sure that when Theo is there, that Gary is also always there. So there doesn't have to be an official there. 
to supervise these visits. It can be Uncle Gary, Theo and Eddie. So the, there's no real issue. And Catherine agrees to those terms. So that it causes both Eddie and her less embarrassment in the long run. But he also has to speak to Maggie then and tell her that because of this new situation, she's going to have to move out. But would she be able to swap with him so that so that she lives in Dee's house with Dee and the kids? Obviously, the kids for now until Dee comes back. And he would go and live in his old apartment with Eddie. And when Theo comes over, he will be there. Which she agrees to. She's happy to agree to it. She's happy to help because she's fucking Maggie and she's great. But we see Gary's solidarity for Eddie. Um, because Eddie's coming to stay with him now. He decides to get rid of all his booze. So the situation with Gina that I forgot to mention was the fact that she is, since the protest, and the fact that she hit her head, is starting to have memory problems. And it seems like they're getting worse. And the only person that really knows about this is her mother, Shelley. And her mum ends up covering for her in some situations. Gina's really scared. And she knows that Rome is terrified at the minute of losing her or her getting injured or her being in a bad way. So she's scared to tell him. But Shelley tells her that they're going to go and see a doctor. And once they've gone, she thinks it's time that she should probably tell Rome what's happened. Because it's not fair on Rome to be living with someone that isn't telling him the whole truth. And she agrees that once she knows more, she will tell him. So while all this is going on for Gina, Rome and Tyrell are now doing something massive. They're actually telling the story of black people in Boston and black people of America. And they've started to film and talk to people for the documentary that is for Tyrell's school. And because Rome is such a perfectionist when it comes to his job, he is teaching him all about how to how to get the best from his camera, how to get the best from his lighting, and teaching Tyrell the very basics of how to become a filmmaker. So Gina goes to the doctors, and while she's there, the doctor checks her out and feels like everything's fine. She's obviously had a concussion, and the doctor doesn't feel like she has really got any issues. But Gina asks for a CT scan anyway, because she knows her own body. But when the doctor starts to refuse and tells her that it's a silly idea that she doesn't need a CT scan, Shelley stands up for her daughter and tells him, okay, we're happy for you to do that, but we want an updated record right now that your patient asked for a specific treatment or a specific diagnostic equipment to be used, and you refuse them. And it's at this point that the doctor just holds his hands up and says, fine, we will set you up a CT scan and we will get it all sorted for you. And it's just to set the patient's mind at ease. Now, look, I live in the UK. We have a national health service for however long that's going to be. But in America, it's charged. So I don't understand why he's refusing this treatment or this diagnostic. If the patient feels like they want it, give it to them. I mean, for instance, I went to the doctor a few months back. I thought I'd broken my arm. Yes, I am that fucking clumsy that I did my arm and my foot. But I went to the doctor and I laid out to him that I was unsure. Everything felt fine and occasionally I had pain in my elbow, but I just wanted to make sure. And he went, okay, we will send you for an x-ray happily. If that's what you've requested, that's what you will get. And that's what I want from my doctor, whether I'm paying them or not. Like, if you go to a doctor, you want to be heard. So for this doctor to be like, well, no, I'm not going to offer you that. She didn't ask to be offered it. Give her the fucking CT scan. Anyway, but that's essentially what Shelley did and said. She asked for it. You will give it her or you will put it on record that you denied her it. And I 100% stand with Shelley on that one. So this is where after the CT scan, that Shelley and Gina talk. And Shelley tells her that whatever happens today, you need to speak to Rome about this. 
your husband needs to know what is going on because essentially a problem shared, etc. Like Rome will be able to help. He'll be able to look out for things and he will make sure that she is in a safe environment. Yes, he'll worry about her. Of course he fucking will. But he'll be there for her and he'll know what he's looking for then. Eventually the results come back and Gina finds out that there is nothing showing and she doesn't understand what's going on but she has agreed with her mother that she needs to tell Rome. So she goes home and she tells him that she's worried and that she's been for a CT scan and that she's having problems with her memory. So after Sophie found out about this other student, Layla, who was Peter Benoit's previous student that went to MMI, she's interested in what went on. She knows that this girl succeeded in suicide and wants to know more about it. So she speaks to Maggie and tells her, her whole theory obviously Maggie is living with her now but Maggie thinks she's getting way too deep into this and tells her she needs an outlet to make sure that she can focus all this energy and it'll help her take back control which Sophie seems to take on board but she is also a very headstrong teenager and ends up going over to see Layla's parents And while she's there, she talks to them about Peter and potentially what happened. And she gives her own experience of what happened. And it's at this point that maybe the pieces start to fall into place a little bit. The mum just yells at her, tells her to get out. And that she can't believe that she suggested such a thing because Layla was so close with her that she would have told her if this had been happening. But Sophie is just trying to find a way to forgive herself for what happened. She feels like she is to blame for all of this. That it was her stupid fault for getting involved with Peter Benoit. And the fact that he took advantage of her when she was in such a vulnerable state. She feels like it was his fault that she didn't see this predator in front of her. The problem is, you don't. You don't see these people in front of you. And it's must be so scary for a young girl to have these people there in your face and not know the potential that they've got. I feel so sorry for any young girl that has had this, or anyone. Not just young girl, young boy, man, woman, non-binary, like anything that's happened to you where you felt like you didn't have control. I'm so sorry for you. I've been through it. I know, and I'm not dealing with it. I've never dealt with it. Maybe one day. But obviously Maggie tells her it's not her fault, she's not to blame, and that she shouldn't feel like, she shouldn't feel like she has to forgive herself for being in that situation. It's not fair on her. Layla's dad comes over and hands over something that Sophie left at the house, which actually had her driving license in it. And while he's there, he tells her that he and his wife have been looking for a long, long time for any clues as to what happened and why Layla did what she did. But they've come up with nothing so far. And it was only when Sophie turned up that they realised that maybe this could have happened. And then he reads something from her diary that was written a few days before she died. And it involves being in a bathing suit. And how she couldn't believe that she'd done that. And her dad just thought it was something about some boy that she'd been in front of with a bathing suit on. But because of what Sophie had described to them, he realised now that maybe it was actually what happened with her and Peter. But at the time, it wasn't actually Sophie who answered the door. It was Maggie. So Maggie goes up to see Sophie and she tells her what happened. Let's her know that the dad has turned up and she's got a driving license back. But also there is some vital information for her that maybe something has happened to Layla. But Maggie also tells her that just because it happened to other people doesn't detract from the fact that it did happen to you. So regardless of anyone else's experience, it doesn't detract from your own. Episode 16. No one is to blame. Sophie is a nightmare that involves Layla. 
which shows how much this whole thing is playing on her mind. But when she speaks to Maggie about this, who is obviously now living with her and Danny, Maggie starts to wonder what is going on in her head and asks whether Sophie is thinking about hurting herself due to the fact that Layla is so much on her mind. Is she thinking about doing the same thing? But Sophie denies that she is and sets her mind at ease, but Maggie tells her that maybe going through something like that, much like Maggie did with her cancer and Gary did, and Rome has, and Eddie has, that maybe she needs to go and see a support group. She needs to talk to people about what is going on in her head so that so the same thing that happened to Layla doesn't happen to her. But Sophie realises the only person that she wants to speak to about all of this is Rome. She knows that Rome had a suicide attempt. And she knows that Rome has been dealing with this this whole time. And so she goes to speak to someone who she can be close to and knows will answer her questions properly, but with love and care. So when she does, he tells her that he felt like he had no reason to be happy anymore. And that was the reason for him wanting to end it. But he just felt like the storm around him just needed to dissipate and he needed to get out of it. And that's what he forced himself to do. And especially when he found out what John had done. But he knows that Sophie isn't like that. He knows how strong she is and he knows how great she can be. And the fact that she came to someone like him shows just how smart and how strong she is. And the fact that she opened up about all of this as well just shows who she actually is. So he has no doubt in his mind about her and what she's capable of. But he also tells her that if you ever ever feel in a bad way that door is always open to you and so Sophie decides that now is the time to tell her own story and she goes home and she finds out that Dee is coming back home and she tells Maggie that when Dee gets back her and Dee will go down to the police station and they will make their statement so that Peter can never do this again. So Carter, I've mentioned him a couple of times, he is Catherine's assistant, and he is a massive boost to anything that Catherine does. She is constantly doubting herself. She is an incredible woman. She's very, very smart, and she is drop-dead gorgeous. But she always diminishes herself. And Carter is the one, he is the gay best friend, that literally bolsters her up. Problem is, he's a little too forward at times, and this is one of the occasions where he is. Because he's put her on a dating app. She's only just split up from Eddie, and she is already now on a dating app. And it is obviously one of these swipe right, swipe left deals. And as she's scrolling through, Carter has also set her up as being bisexual because he tells her that he's unsure about her and this isn't ever addressed. She never claims a sexuality, which is interesting. So so eventually they are scrolling through these people and she comes across an interesting profile because it's Alan's who Catherine is already starting to see. So that makes things a little bit awkward between them. So now that Eddie and Gary are living together again, Theo is coming over to stay for the first time. And as agreed, Gary is also going to be there so that Catherine's mind is at rest when it comes to Eddie and Theo hanging out. But to keep Theo entertained, they've also brought over Liam, Darcy's son, so that he can be in the mix as well. But Eddie has been under some stress because. He wanted everything to be perfect and he wanted to get this game that he knew Theo would want to play and Theo's been talking about it. But it's a popular game so it is very difficult to get his hands on it. 
And when Theo turns up and finds out that his dad hasn't managed to get this game, he tells his dad that he doubted that he would anyway, which obviously tugs at Eddie's heartstrings because he never wants his son to feel like he doubts him. But now he's starting to get a little bit wiser to the way that Eddie can be. As Catherine drops Theo off, she doesn't tell Eddie anything about this date that she's going on because she doesn't think that he should be involved in her private life anymore. Which is 100% fair. Until it affects Theo's life, doesn't affect his. So, makes sense. But Eddie is now obsessed because of Theo's doubting him. He's obsessed with getting this game. And it's all-encompassing. He's not even enjoying the time that he's got with Theo. He's just all about getting this game and proving Theo wrong. But when he speaks to Gary, because he knows that there's some copies downtown, Gary tells him, I'm not leaving you. I am not leaving you with your son. You are just going to have to stay here, and the game will have to be bought next time. We're not going anywhere. We're just going to stay here and have a fun day. But Eddie just can't see the wood for the trees, just instantly goes and tries to find someone who will take him to the store to get this game. So he ends up trying to get an Uber. But when the guy turns up, he's got a big enough van. He's got a fucking minivan. He turns up and he takes one look at Eddie in his wheelchair and he just goes, nope, and drives off. Which, firstly, if these apps aren't stating that people are wheelchair bound, that's on the fucking app. If people are agreeing to pick up wheelchair-bound people and then driving off, you're a disgusting human being. End of. He told Gary that he didn't want to take Theo out to this store in the middle of nowhere, just in case he got there and the game wasn't there. And he ends up being disappointed again. But Gary wasn't willing to leave him at all with the kids, because it was against Catherine's wishes. So eventually Eddie calls Gina and Gina agrees to help him out. They drive out and they drive back and Eddie manages to get the game to Theo. So like I've said, Catherine is on this date with Alan. But while they're in the park, he keeps getting distracted. They seem to be having a picnic of some sort. But his phone keeps buzzing and he keeps checking it and texting back while Catherine's trying to tell a story from her past. And obviously she knows that he's on this dating app. So she is now thinking that he is replying to other women. And it's only when a man comes around the corner and he waves at him and tells him, we're over here, that she realizes that actually he was trying to do something sweet for her. He has actually organized a nice surprise for her in the fact that this guy I think he was selling ice creams, comes over. She had a memory from when she was a kid of having ice cream in the park. So he kind of tried to do something nice for her, but she admits that she's got way too many trust issues right now and that maybe it was time for them to start to take things a little slower. But Alan tells her that, no, that's not going to work for me. I have waited for you for far too long now to actually go slow at this point. I want to be with you, and if you're not prepared to be with me, then I can't keep doing this. Which is a change from his few episodes ago of, I'll wait for you. I suppose you can't always wait forever. I'm stupid enough to probably try, but you just can't. So let's get on to Gina and Rome, and what they've been up to in this episode. So Gina is back at the restaurant, but she's not meant to be. She's meant to be resting up. And she's just making a nuisance of herself to the point where her second-in-command is essentially telling her to go and sit in her office and stop bothering him. So when he suggests that maybe she should just go and sit behind a desk and check if the government loan has come in that they applied for months ago due to COVID so they could get a bit of cover and a bit of relief, maybe she could check that that had come in because it has done for another restaurant. She sits down and has a look at this application and realises that 
she fucked up and that she didn't send in the right information. And it turns out that they aren't getting the loan at all. And now she is in trouble because potentially this restaurant isn't going to work anymore. And it's all due to the fact that she's had this concussion. Rome, however, has now had to go back to doing commercials because now that the movie has been shut down and he has no money coming in, it's really time that he has to get back to it. And he goes to speak to the guy that he usually deals with and this marketing guy has a great idea for him. The problem being is that it exploits the protests and it is overheard by Tyrell and Tyrell is just looking and going, don't do this, this is stupid. It's essentially a soda commercial where the soda brings together the protesters and the cops and it's like, no, that's not what this should be about. It shouldn't be a marketing opportunity. It shouldn't be a marketing opportunity. It should be a time where people are growing and learning, not trying to sell shit. And essentially, that's what Tyrell says to him. It's disgusting, and Rome refuses to do the commercial. So Gina, like I've already said, has gone to pick up Eddie and help him out because she needs to get away from the restaurant because of the fuck-up that she's made. She needs a distraction. She needs to get out of there. So when she picks up Eddie, she starts telling him everything about what's been going on with the concussion and the fact that she may never get back to herself. And of course, Eddie's in a similar situation. He's been confined to this wheelchair now and he may never get back to his self either. So he feels massive sympathy towards her. But because of Gina's fuck-up, Rome now will probably have to take the job. She has no money coming in. He has no money coming in. And now they have a third mouth to feed. So they need to do something. It is desperate times. And desperate times, as we know, call for desperate measures. So he, as much as he disagrees with the way that this is being shot, he has to take the commercial, but he also has to tell Tyrell about it. And eventually he does, and he just says, I have to do this for my family. I would do anything for my family. So if I have to sell my soul for this, I will. And Tyrell, as much as he is gutted about it, he understands that Rome's probably right in doing what he's doing. But when Gina gets home, she tells him that she doesn't want him to do the commercial. It's not right for him to do it. It's a stupid idea and it sucks. But he obviously says, we've got no money coming in. I need to do this. We need to be able to provide for ourselves. But she also tells him that she feels like now she is in no place to run a restaurant anymore. And they are probably going to have to sell. And finally, we're going to talk about Darcy. Now, Darcy has gone off and left Liam with Gary and Eddie while he hangs out with Theo because Darcy has gone off to meet Liam's dad, Stephen. Because they generally get together, they've still got a good friendship relationship and they just need to talk about their son, which is understandable. They're both parents, they're both committed to this. She's gone off and she's talking to her ex about what is next. But when she comes home, she tells Gary that Stephen is moving. And because her and Stephen have always agreed to the fact that what would be best for Liam is to have parents in and around the same area, that if he were to move, she would move. And vice versa, if she moved, he would move. Well, now she has a decision to make. And it seems like she has already made it. Darcy has decided that she will move to where Stephen is moving to so that he can have access to his son as much as he wants. And of course, now Gary has a decision to make as well. Does he stay in Boston or does he go with his girlfriend? And finally, for this episode and for this season of A Million Little Things, we're going to be dealing with episodes 17 and 18 together due to the fact that they are part one and part two of the same episode. And 
This episode is called Justice. So now, due to the fact that her former partner, Stephen, is moving, Darcy has also told Gary that she's going to move too. Because they said that no matter what happened between them, she would always make sure that he had access to Liam and vice versa. So she's going to be moving out of Boston and is going to be only two hours away, but it's still going to be a commute constantly if Gary wants to keep up the relationship. But he decides that long distance is a good thing. They've built this relationship together and he thinks that it is going to last. So he decides that this is going to be for the best and he wants to give it a try. Now, myself, I've tried long distance and it hasn't worked for me. I know that in some cases it does, but I guess it's just the individuals. So as soon as I saw this with Gary, I just thought, it's probably not going to work, mate, that. But it's the end of the season, so we'll see you next season, won't we? So when he tells Maggie about this, she tells him that maybe moving wouldn't actually be a bad thing. He could move out and be two hours away from Boston, but also he could be with the girl that he loves. So why not give it a shot? Gary is constantly trying to make everyone's life better, but never actually focuses on himself. So maybe it's time to start doing that. And he has to take on board what Maggie said to him and really have a think about what his next plan is. So when Gary gets home, he speaks to Darcy about this and he thinks he's made his decision already that he wants to be with her and he wants to start a family with her and Liam and that maybe Maggie's not wrong. He should start focusing on his own happiness. And if that means leaving and being with her, then that's what's got to happen. So he is happy to move out of the city to be with the woman that he loves. But during this, Gary also mentions about having kids with Darcy. And this is something that she doesn't think that he would have ever wanted. And tells him that she's not prepared to have children now. And the reason for that is because... It's not fair to her son. She's been in situations before where you get left behind as the child from an original couple when the new couple start having babies. And as much as she doesn't think that Gary would do that, she also thinks that it could happen. She never wants Liam to ever feel left out. There's a bit more to Gary's story in this episode, but it really needs to be told at the end. So I'm going to leave it for now. But just know big things are coming. So now that Dee is back from France, Eddie can finally see his daughter for the first time in months. So he is on his way over to Dee's place. But also, he knows that that house is going to need baby-proofing. Charlie is now up and mobile, and it's going to be a real effort because that house is fucking massive. So he goes over to Catherine's house to get some tools. And when Theo asks if he can go visit Charlie with his dad, it ends up being Catherine who says no because she's going to take him there tomorrow. So obviously Theo storms off and he's not happy about the situation. And once again, it turns out that Catherine has to play the villain and she's not happy about this. She's pissed off with Eddie because it's every time that she wants him to be the villain or she wants him to tell Theo no. He won't do it. And it's just turning Theo against her. And it's not fair. So to end up distracting Theo from wanting to go over and see his sister, Catherine decides to have a fun day with him. She takes time off work and they end up watching movies together. They watch the whole Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, which I approve of. It's a great choice. But of course, what goes with movies, you've got to have popcorn, right? It's a staple. I'm sure there's people out there that are going, no, I don't like popcorn, but most people do. So Catherine decides that they're going to make popcorn properly from scratch on the hob. And obviously that involves a lot of hot liquids, especially since they want to put, I think it's caramel on there. So, So when Alan ends up calling her, She takes the call and moves into another room, leaving Theo in the kitchen and not thinking about the situation. And this is because Dee has decided to sell her restaurant. 
So Catherine is trying to negotiate with the new owners about what kind of deal she can get for the space above where obviously her office is. But when she steps away, the inevitable happens and Theo ends up getting hurt. He knocks some hot liquid onto himself and ends up having to be rushed to hospital to get the burns treated. But with Catherine being so hostile with Eddie earlier on, when she tells him about what's happened, Eddie speaks to his lawyer and his lawyer actually advises that Eddie gets photos of what's happened. And the reason for that is because she is essentially trying to break him over the coals so that he can't get access to his own son. But Theo ended up getting injured, in this case, while he was with Catherine. So she's saying that Eddie can't look after Theo, but it seems now that Catherine can't either. So the lawyer is trying to play a dirty game to try and get his client access to his son unsupervised. But obviously, not thinking about that, she sends Eddie the photos and videos of what's gone on and just wants her son to be well. And unfortunately, accidents happen. But now Eddie is going to try and use that to his advantage. So once they're back home, Alan turns up at the house and he feels guilty because before he wasn't willing to give Catherine the information that she wanted about the potential new owners. But because what happened happened while she was on the phone to him, he comes over and he just wants to make things right. So he gives her the information of the potential new owners and tells her that she should call them, see if she can get a deal on the space that she currently works in. Later on, Eddie turns up at the house and he tells Catherine the intention that he's got to use these photos against him so that he can get joint custody or, in fact, sole custody of their son because he's not happy with the tactics Catherine's been using against him. This is one accident in however many days that she has been having to look after him, whereas Eddie is constantly screwing up and it affects Theo in other ways. I'm not saying either are right, but at this point it's now semi-warfare. But after everything, Eddie realises how cruel he is being. It's not fair that Catherine has been through so much with all Eddie's shit and ends up potentially losing her son because of one accident when only an episode, two episodes earlier, Theo was up some ladders that he could have potentially broken his neck on and Eddie couldn't do a thing because he was downstairs in his wheelchair. It's it's a massively difficult situation and I get it. And I'm pleased that Eddie saw the light and came through. And what he does is he tells Catherine that he's not going to use the photos. But if she'll agree to it, he wants joint custody. Especially with the fact that the person that is meant to be helping him, Gary, is thinking about moving out of the city now. So he'd lose access altogether if they don't sign this agreement. And the agreement is that he gets joint custody of Theo, but he is willing to take a weekly drug test to prove his sobriety and gain access to his son. And Catherine agrees to this. She signs the paperwork and Eddie leaves. But as he does, he receives a phone call. Throughout the episode, he's been receiving phone calls and he's been playing it off because he thinks it's these businesses like PPI and things like that. He thinks that it's just these automated services. But then a voice tells him that she is the one who hit him that day and put him in the wheelchair. So like I said, Dee is now home. And after 10 days in quarantine, she's finally out and able to go see family, friends, and obviously Eddie is coming over to see his daughter. But first things first is that Sophie needs to go to the police. So Eddie is coming over to see his daughter so that Dee can take her daughter to get this whole situation sorted out. So Sophie goes over and sees Layla's parents to tell her exactly what she's doing and that 
it would help if she could have the diary that Layla's dad brought around. So maybe it meant something that when she took it to the cops, they'd see what happened. But this causes issues between Layla's parents and the mum is really pissed off. Like she said, she didn't want this to be the defining point of her daughter's life and doesn't think this has happened at all. She's still massively in denial about it all. But the dad thinks it'll help and he goes off, gets the diary and gives it to Sophie and tells her good luck. So Sophie gets down to the station and she has got Gary, Gina and Maggie with her as well as Dee, and they all go down and they're just there to support her. She goes and she gives a statement, and during the whole thing, the officer in charge seems to be engaged in everything, and he seems to want to know more about everything that's gone on, and he's asking the right questions, until Sophie mentions about the photo that she sent and what happened with it, and it's here that the police officer realises that this is going to be more difficult than she realises. He leaves and they go and sort out something else with another case that had just gone down. And Sophie and Dee are left in the interview room. Dee reminds Sophie that this is none of her fault whatsoever and that it's been a really tough time for her since her dad died and she has had a lot of growing up to do in the last two years and this is not what she wanted for her at all. She wanted her to be able to be a teenager and live her life and enjoy her life. And now she's got the burden of all of this going on. And Dee feels so guilty for leaving when she did. So when the officer comes back into the room, Sophie gets told that because of the photo and because of Peter's reaction to the photo and the fact that the diary doesn't even mention Peter's name and there's no physical evidence. It's as if it never really happened and he can't do anything for her. And as soon as he walks out, Dee goes after him and tells him, what the hell do you think you're doing? She is a victim and she's stood up and she's come and she's spoken about this. And he tells her that if you think I'm being harsh right now, I'm not. I'm being practical. Call I got before was about a woman who was raped and the guy who did it has just got off because because of the defence team. They ripped her to bits and made a show of it. And now this poor girl is never going to get justice. And that is exactly what they will do to Sophie. They will put her on the stand and they will rip her to bits and make her out to be a love-struck teen who just wants the attention. And I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm fucking sickened by that. I hate the fact that the world is the way that it is. I want it to be better, I really do. But the fact that a woman can't be believed because a defence lawyer will just rip them to shreds, and the fact that a defence lawyer will rip them to shreds God, it's awful. There was a British program that dealt with this recently, where a woman was a woman was in the Crown Prosecution Service and ended up dealing with this case where she had been charmed by a guy and ended up sleeping with him and he was her client and then when she tried to end things, he started stalking her just the way that he had done with the woman who originally filed a complaint against him and it sucks that when people try and step forward they just get battered down it's not fair everything is just so fucking wrong and i wish it wasn't but the cop tells her there is a positive in all of this they now have a file on him and if others start to come forward maybe they can start the ball rolling a little bit and finally they will get the justice they want but right now there's nothing he can do, as much as he wants to. Obviously, <laughs> Gary hears all of this, and he is not happy. He is fuming. And at this point, Sophie is just devastated. She doesn't know what to do with herself. And 
Unfortunately, due to an incident at the station, Gina didn't actually come inside, so she has now gone back to her house. So Sophie just goes to see her. She feels like she needs some time with someone who has experienced everything that's happened to her and just talk about it. So while they've been at the station, Danny and Eddie have been baby-proofing the house. But while they have been, Danny confronts Eddie about his intentions towards his mother because he's seen how they are together and they were a little bit flirty and he is scared about what is going to happen again because he wants his mum to be treated right and feels like everything that's been going on with Eddie is too messy and just wants to know what his intentions are. And Eddie tells him, look, we've been down that road. That is not a road I would want to go down again. It was a mistake. Not that I don't love your mum and that Charlie is everything to me, but it shouldn't have happened between me and her. And Danny seems to take some solace in it because later on he confesses something about a boy in his class, Milo, who is already out as being gay. And Danny tells him that he is planning to spend time with Milo pretty soon, but is getting a little bit nervous about it because he's not sure what's going to happen. So now that Dee is back at the house, obviously without Sophie, she breaks down to Eddie and tells him that she wants to get away from this all again. She hasn't felt the same since John died, and the only time she felt like her again was when she was back in France. And she tells Eddie that she is definitely considering moving back there, and she wants to take Sophie and Danny with her, because the last time she saw Sophie so happy was when she was in France, and now... It's crushing for her to see her daughter suffering so much. But Danny overhears and tells Dee that he isn't going anywhere and that it's unfair to think that he would do. So because she's got the diary, Sophie goes back to Layla's parents' house. And when she gets there, she tells them exactly what happened and tells them that the cops aren't willing to help right now. But if more evidence comes forward, they may be able to. And Sophie feels like she's let them down, and especially the mum, because the mum has really not handled this well. But Layla's mum tells her that she's been searching for answers for so long that it's a relief to know that there was a reason and what that reason was for her daughter killing herself. So even though she didn't get the results she wanted, it's still a win for her in some ways because she knows what happened to her daughter finally and it just lays that to rest for her. So now Sophie gets home and Gary comes over and he tells her that he is so sorry for what happened and he blames himself for putting her in the bullseye of this predator. Similar to what he said to Maggie and to Dee, he's so sorry for everything that happened and she tells him that it wasn't his fault he preyed on her and he knew what he was doing. Then that Gary it was not a fault for this. It was such an unfortunate circumstance, but not to blame himself. And this is where Danny comes in and yells at Dee and tells her how selfish she's being, wanting to take them to France. And Sophie also realises that she doesn't want to go to France either. Yeah, she was happy there for a bit, but it was because she could forget for a while. But now she doesn't want to forget. It's part of who she is. And Sophie still wants to go to MMI, regardless of what happened. So because Sophie just doesn't want to be in the house anymore, she leaves. She goes over to Maggie's and she asks her to do her a favour. She asks her if she will let her be the first person she interviews on her podcast. And on the podcast, she tells her full story everything that happened, and even names Peter, so that the world knows not to trust this man from now on. So as I say, Gina ended up going to the police station with Sophie, but as she was on her way in, she ended up bumping into a cop, and it just triggered her a little bit. She's obviously been having these memory issues, and this happening to her just scared her a little bit, 
because it was similar to the situation she ended up in at the protest. So she sits outside and Maggie tells her it's probably best for her not to be there right now. If she can't handle being around police officers, she needs to go home. She needs to think about herself. And as soon as they know more about Soph, they will let her know. While they're going through the footage of the protest shots, Rome and Tyrell end up finding a guy that Tyrell actually knows. Tyrell's mum was an EMT, and the guy on the footage is also an EMT that he knew previously. And this guy, Kyle, might be a good source because they can go speak to him and find out more about what was going on in the protests. And Rome suggests that he might be a good person to interview. So Tyrell calls this guy and tells him that he thinks it'd be a good idea for him to come and do this interview. So Kyle's a little evasive and he doesn't want to give too much away and says, look, I can't do it right now. And Tyrell realises that actually Kyle is now a supervisor at Boston General. And what's worrying about that is because his mum was up for the same position before she got taken by ICE. And Tyrell thinks that Kyle is the reason because Kyle wanted that position and now he's got it when his mum was the actual obvious choice. So he thinks that Kyle is the one that told ICE about his mother. So he decides to go and confront him. So when he gets to the office of Kyle, Tyrell actually finds out that it wasn't Kyle at all that called ICE on his mother. He isn't the reason she got deported. What actually happened was Tyrell had filled out a form for a summer school program and it needed to be mailed. But the only problem was that he hadn't mailed it yet. So his mother ended up taking it and she ended up getting and she ended up getting pulled over by the police. So technically Tyrell was the reason she got caught. Then she went and got taken by immigration services. And now she's back in Haiti, all because of her son. And he feels massive guilt towards it. So let's go back to Gary. As we know, on one hand, he is feeling happy and elated by the fact that he's going to be moving with Darcy. On the other hand, he feels guilty because of the fact that he puts Sophie in the arms of a predator. And he's also found out that the woman that he loves doesn't want to have children with him. So he's never going to be a father. And this is the thing that pushes him over the edge. So he goes to see his dad and his dad agrees to, if anyone asks, tell everyone that he was at his house, his dad's house. And when Javier asks, where are you going, Junior? Gary doesn't tell him. Gary leaves his phone at his dad's house so that it looks like he was there all night. And while he does, Darcy calls him and tells him that, you know what, I was wrong before. How you handle everything and how you look after people and how you look after everyone's kids, it'd be a travesty not to make you a father. So if down the line we get into a situation where we can have children, I'd happily have them with you. But potentially it's too late. Gary arrives at Peter's. He knocks on his door. Peter comes out to see who's there, but there's no one at the front door. Peter comes out onto the porch and then is dragged inside with a hood over his head as Gary closes the door. And that's it, the end of season three. It has been a lot this season. It has been an emotional roller coaster. It is so hard to talk about this series, and especially this season. I forgot how A, good it is, and B, rough it is. And it was only as I was coming up on it that I went, oh shit. Yeah, that happens in this season, and that happens in this season. And I thought we had another season before the whole thing with Sophie and it doesn't turn out that way and you know obviously there was COVID and there was George Floyd and there was the Asian racism like fucking hell it is hard and now you've got the good guy who's constantly got a temper has finally finally lost it throughout the whole season you thought that Rome was going to be the one that lost it on someone but turns out no Gary man like, fucking hell. 
So it's rough. It is a rough season for everyone involved in this show. But it's kind of why I love it. It is so well acted. And the episodes, I don't feel like when I'm watching them, they are long enough. And that is something that I don't generally say about a TV show, especially on, uh, I think this was ABC, so especially on an American network show, because they tend to insert episodes where they don't really go anywhere or they don't really have a proper plot line to what they're doing. But this always seems to churn out something that is relevant to the whole story and it gets you emotionally invested. And I love that. Like if something can take me down an emotional path, all for it. I have talked over the last couple of days for hours, it seems, and I've still got to edit these episodes. So, look, thank you so, so much for supporting me. Thank you for listening to this. It is a privilege to be doing this. I really do enjoy it, and I really hope you do too. Um, So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be eternally grateful just to have my voice out there talking mostly horseshit about TV shows is great. So I thank you and I hope to hear from you soon. Bye. Well, that's all for now, amigos. If you manage to make it to the end of my ramblings, thank you. And if you want to rate, share, subscribe, comment, it's all appreciated. Until next time.